0: We are um, in the process of, uh, of kind of turning a corner here at, at Naper Cove. Uh, last Sunday was wonderful. Uh, if you were not here, just to let you know, we worshiped outside, uh, and the weather was perfect, and we had an opportunity to, uh, to give thanks for... Um, uh, just a wonderful summer of, of ministry and of uh, reaching out into our community, and so we came back together last Sunday uh, to celebrate that. It was a great way to celebrate what we call loving loving our community. Uh, we also on the sun, the Sunday mornings here uh, kind of dug into some passages on on love, God's love for us, God's love for others, and putting God's love into action. And so it was good. But today we turn a little bit of a corner. Uh, we've moved moved outward uh, this over the summer, and and uh, in the next several weeks we're moving inward. Not not like insular, inward, but inward to kind of gather together around the Word of God. Uh, now we have got to remember that this outward, inward thing is not an either-or for a church. It's not like we'll be an outward-focused church or we'll be an inward-focused church. We know that, that God calls us to be both, and that they really kind of they kind of feed each other and and deepen our relationship uh, with Christ. In fact, the words that I've I found helpful to me this summer, and hopefully they've been helpful to you, are the two words gathering and sending. Gathering and sending. The church gathers, and the church sends, and we we do both of these things. Um, the church uh, gathered is as, when as, as we come together here to worship together, when we come to, to learn, to be equipped. Uh, we come together as the body of Christ when we offer support for each other. Pastor Diana talked about Stephen ministry and where we support each other when there are times of need and give care to each other. We grow together when we are the church gathered. But we're also the church sent, and the church is sending us into the world that Jesus came to save. And so when we're gathered, we are equipped then to, be, to go forth. And that's the word we often use, missional, which doesn't just mean missions or projects. Missional means the mission of Jesus. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to bind up the brokenhearted and and heal the hurting. And so we're on that mission with Jesus, and we're strengthened in it as we're gathered, and we do it as we're sent. We need both. They reinforce each other. There's obviously dangers of emphasizing one over the other. If we're only the church gathered, then we become so inward-focused. We may learn a lot about the Bible. We get sort of filled up with knowledge, but but no impact on the world uh, that Jesus loved so much a church that's only gathered in inward focus becomes me focused and then we begin to kind of uh, uh, to see the church as just a place to meet our own needs and then uh, which only leads to high expectations and great disappointments <laughs> what happens in the life of the church if we just see the church there for us and what we do gather together the church only gathered The church growing and learning what it, uh, uh, learning information can tend to grow in pride toward what we know and how we're maybe better than others out there the worst thing that happens with a church that's only gathered in inward focus is it damages our reputation of a church that only cares about itself and is hiding from the needs of the world. A church that's only gathered can become self-absorbed. But if a church is only mission-focused and only sending focus, uh, the emphasis on good deeds may, too, may move us too far from being centered in Jesus. Is it possible to do too much mission work? I don't think so. I don't think it's possible to do too much, but if it does take us away from our core belief and our core commitment to Christ, then it can become dangerous. And if we're only doing good deeds around, then it can lead to pride and a false sense of worth as a church. We can see that that's our identity and all the good things that we do rather than the ways in which we are serving Christ that we know, who we, whom we know and love. I learned a new word this week called missionalism. Missional is great. It's living into the mission of Christ. But missionalism means we find our worth only in the work that we do rather than finding our worth in Jesus by his grace. So there's dangers of going too far either way. And so what we're committed to at Naper Cove is keeping those in ways, not so much balanced, but that they feed each other. The church gathered, the church sent. What we say here is a summary of our mission is that we know, love, and serve. We know God. We love one another, and we serve the community. And our vision says, imagine an inviting community, equipping people to go make a kingdom difference. We're gathered as an inviting community. We have an inviting quality about us as we gather together. We do equipping of getting people rooted and grounded in Christ, and that enables us to make that difference that the king calls us to. So that's our hope for the church, to be gathered in a sense. And I have great hopes for our church as we do that and live into that. In the next, week, next eight weeks, we are headed into a season, really, of gathering. We're gathering around the Bible. We're gathering together around the Bible. We're doing this with each other, not just alone, but together. And we're gathering with thousands of others in evangelical covenant churches around North America. Many, as I said, are doing the New Testament, which we did in summer of 2015, but several are also doing the Old Testament, uh, or at least the first five books of it. If you want to try to read the whole Old Testament in the next eight weeks, you are welcome to do it. But we're going to just stick with the, the first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, do you know that, do you know the, 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 the big word for that? The Pentateuch. Anybody ever heard the word Pentateuch? Penta. You got the penta, right? You took geometry. Penta means five, right? Okay, so five books. But tuk comes from a word tukus which um, actually means um, like a vessel or a container, And it was, a remember remember the scriptures way back were in scrolls and they were kept in like kind of a a container or a vessel. And so this is the vessel that holds the five books. So it's it's not that big of a vocabulary boost if you learn Pentateuch, but I just thought I'd toss that out there for those that like that kind of thing. Anyway, we'll be reading and discussing each week. We are gathering around the Word of God in this season because we are people of the Word. We're always people of the Word. Even this summer as we looked outward, we gathered here around the Word that spoke of God's love and action. But we're gathering around the Word because we are a people of the Word in our denominational roots. But this church itself... And some of the survey work that we did over the last six, seven years as we've been sort of defining mission and vision, uh, one of the strengths that came through in two formal surveys we did over and over again, the number one strength was our love for and our commitment to the Word of God. The first of six affirmations for the Evangelical Covenant Church are, the. the first one is the centrality of the Word. We are a people of the book. We've always been a people of the book. We believe it to be the inspired word of God. This is a God-breathed word that is authoritative. And as we say, it is the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. The only perfect way to discover how to come to God by faith, to build our belief system of doctrine, and then how we ought to live together. That's conduct. So we believe it is more than just a book. We believe it's more than just an historical book. It's more than information. It leads us to faith. It leads us to Jesus, and it leads us to Jesus who transforms us and does a work within us. The Word is alive and works within us. And so as we gather this fall, we don't just gather around the Bible because it's a good old book, we gather around Jesus, the center of our faith. Yes, even reading the Old Testament, we're still gathered around Jesus. You know, it all, all points to him. I'm excited. Uh, even next week when we jump, what, what we'll do here is you'll read for five days. I'll talk about this later. But each Sunday, uh, Pastor Diane and I are picking out different stories that we'll emphasize. And so next week, uh, as you've read through uh, much of Genesis, we'll talk about the sacrifice of Isaac. About Abraham offering his son Isaac and how the, the, the sacrifice of Christ is, is prefigured way early in the Old Testament. So even as we do the Old Testament, we're still and especially centered in Jesus. So I want to just now for a few moments take a look at how this community Bible experience works and some of the whys, why we're doing this and looking at how we're going to be doing this. As much as we say we love the Bible and as many as we may have on our shelf or Bible apps or however you do the Bible, um, it's, it's hard sometimes to connect with the word. In fact, I think we have more Bibles than ever. There's more ways to access it than ever. And yet, as a society, statistics are showing that people are engaging with the Bible less than they did a generation ago. Even though it's more accessible, different kinds of translations, different sorts of applications, it's difficult to connect. And every day, more and more people are giving up on reading the Bible. Most of us really do want to hear God speak. We really do believe that he speaks through the word. But according to one survey, four out of five churchgoers aren't getting enough help understanding the Bible. Maybe you're one of the four out of five. Maybe you've tried to make sense of the Bible. If you were here at the beginning of the service and you heard Kathy share about trying to read through the the whole Bible, we can kind of get stuck a little bit and get bogged down. What is keeping us from engaging the Bible? Is it just uh, the lack of understanding? What is it? Well, um, it's not that we don't have enough Bibles, like I said. It's not like we don't know that we ought to be reading God's Word. In fact, you know, every time there's a time of recommitment on a retreat or a, 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 a big a youth group event, it's always, what am I going to My recommitment. Now what am I going to do? I've got a recommitment. I'm going to what? Pray more and read my Bible more, right? You've all made that or many of you have made that kind of commitment. And we mean it. We mean it seriously that we're just going to do more this year. This year is the year we are going to read through the scripture. But it's hard to move forward. What are some of the things that's stopping us? Well, some of it is that we just read parts of it. We, we read fragments of, of, of the word. Uh, maybe it's that we, um, uh, we, we, we pull a verse here, we pull a chapter there, we like a story there. But rarely do we read the whole story. We read bits and pieces of it. One one quote I saw I said, "Maybe we treat the Bible like a vending machine, dispensing neatly packaged nuggets of wisdom. <laughs> oh, I like this. Oh, I like this. I really like this. This is so weird. I don't like this, so I'm not going to pull this one out. You know, I don't like that flavor. <laughs> You're not going to like the flavor of Leviticus when you get there in a few weeks. okay? it's weird." But we're gonna dig into that thing anyway, okay? We we pull out the nuggets that we like or things that are maybe helpful to us, and there's nothing wrong with that to one degree, but we don't get the full scope of what's going on. How many of us would sit down to our favorite movie and just watch a few clips from it and put them out of order? Well, some of you may be, but it doesn't make sense to do it that way. And yet this is kind of what we do with the Bible. It comes in fragments. Another reason that it's difficult sometimes to connect with Scripture is because we read it without context. We read it out of context. We know that the Bible is an ancient book written by ancient scribes who lived in so many ways a world so completely different from ours. But to be honest, connecting with the Word, connecting to the world of the Bible and connecting that world to our world can be difficult to do we we just read something and we read it in the in the context that, that we're in rather than trying to get behind it and saying what did it mean then and why or maybe and here's the thing that's different about this cb thing is maybe it's because we read it by ourselves we read in isolation well, isn't that, aren't we taught to have devotions in quiet time? Aren't we taught to go into our prayer closet? Jesus himself talked about that. And if you don't have a prayer closet, which might kind of sound weird, do you have a place that you go, a quiet place in the house where you go to have a quiet, it's a quiet time, right? Why would you do quiet time with somebody else? Well, yeah, we do need a sense of personal devotion. But the scripture was never intended to be only read alone. Our Bible experience shouldn't begin and end just with me. Most of the books of the Bible were actually written to communities. And that's how they were meant to be experienced. So as we turn this corner and gather around the Word and around Jesus, we're going to do a different kind of Bible reading campaign. And we want it to be a fresh experience. And so we're going to read big, uh, read real, and read together. I just want to unpack those just a little bit here. To read big means this, this reading is one big story. Instead of reading those fragments, it's, a, it's like getting more of a panoramic view of all of God's story, or as we're going to do for eight weeks, we're going to get more of a panoramic view of those first five chapters, all the way from creation until the children of God were coming finally to conquer that promised land after the exodus. What's going on in that broad sweep of the story? It's the difference between story and stories. The Bible is one big narrative that ties together all of the other little stories and narratives. When we read big, we grasp the story of God and God's people. The Bible is made up of several different books by several different writers over several different centuries. Some of it's poetry, some of it's history, some of it's letters, some of it's instructions, some is really moving, some of it's very dynamic, some is life-changing, some of it is funny, some of it is odd, some of it is downright difficult to understand. But it's all one story, one big story that God is writing. From creation to the fall to God's loving pursuit of his people to restoration in and through Jesus Christ. One story. The problem is sometimes we just learn the stories and not where or how they fit. And we're going to read some really wonderful stuff in the next weeks about Abraham and the call of Abraham and about Isaac. And we're gonna read stories about Joseph and his family and the and the many colored coat and the and the trip to Israel down into into Egypt. We're gonna read about Moses, we're gonna read about the parting of the Red Sea, we're gonna read about Joshua coming up to the boundary of the land. Now some of those are familiar stories and they evoke uh, learning that we did and Sunday school stories and songs and and even cute little story books and little clever little songs that we do, and that's all great. But sometimes we learn these things in isolation, but we don't see how they fit. So we're going to try to see how all of those familiar things fit within some of these not so familiar, and it fits into the big story. That's why we're going to read big, the big story. Are you with me? Getting it? Okay, that's why it's a little bit different here. We're also going to read real. And what we mean by this is this issue of context. Context. We're going to try to understand a little more of the context. How does it fit into the bigger story? Who was this written by, and who was written to, and why was it written? That's the only way we can approach the word and help it somehow apply to our world now. Now, let me say about, in, in the book, uh, even though we say that the only text we read is scripture, actually, it's a little bit of a... Uh, Not quite right, because there's introductions to each of the books, too. And the introductions are very helpful. And the purpose they serve is not to add any kind of interpretation, but actually just to set the context. So the introductions tell you a little bit, why was this? What's going on in Genesis? What's, what's, What's the deal with Leviticus? Read the introduction. There's actually some answers there, and we'll poke into those as well. So the introductions are going to help us understand context a little bit. So we're going to read real by understanding context. But even more important is that we come to the readings with our real self. When we read real, we ask the question, what is this saying to me? What is this saying to my life? What is this saying about my relationship with God? What is this saying about the ways in which I live my life? Where does this big story intersect with impact my story so when we when we read real we're not just reading for information we're reading for transformation really as we read we remember that it comes to us not just as information to be taught integrated interpreted learned memorized and proclaimed nothing wrong with that but it also comes to form us to transform us into fully devoted followers of christ the bible is information but it is there for our transformation And when I say our transformation, I don't mean just individuals, I mean our transformation as we learn it together. It's not just information about God, but it's information about knowing God. So we're going to read big, we're going to read real, and then finally, I've said it before, but I'll say it again, we're going to read together. We're going to read this together. We need to remember that the Bible was originally given to communities. It was intended to be lived out in the context of community. So when the Bible was written, it was written to the children of Israel. In the New Testament, written to different people groups, different cities, different churches. It was always written to a group of people, except maybe just a very few that were written to an individual that we now have in the New Testament. And you've got to remember that when the Bible was written, not that many people could read. And there weren't that many available. There was no mass production of printing. I mean, you know that from history, but just think about it. You know, you didn't, you, don't have your, you didn't have personal devotions with your own scroll, scrolls that you hauled off the, the shelf in the morning. You went to temple as an Old Testament believer. You went to synagogue later, and then you went to church. And for many, it was the only time that they actually heard and could interact with the Word was with others. The Bible was intended to be read and understood and lived out in the context of community. So this community Bible experience of, oh, this is just a way to get us into groups. Well, true, <laughs> but it's also to get us to the place where we can better understand the scriptures. So people would come together in, in, in copies and they would listen to it together. They would respond to it together. They would ignore it together even, <laughs> but it was together. Our early covenant uh, brothers and sisters, uh, for those who are not familiar, uh, deep in our tradition was back in Scandinavia in the middle 1800s. And the state church had grown a little bit. It kind of stayed, and it was more providing information and not formation. And so these brothers and sisters would gather together on Sunday evenings in in homes, and they were poor people. Mostly, this was mostly in Sweden at the time. And they would they would, they weren't leaving their church. They were just. It was kind of a small group, really. It was, they were called conventicles, and they would come together. And one of the most important things they did was put on coffee, and then after that. They actually did. Um, I'm Irish, but that's why I'm at a Covenanter, because of the coffee. But anyway, no, seriously, they would come together, they had coffee, and then they would, they would sing together. They'd sing those new praise choruses. Made me so mad. They'd, anyway, they'd sing, they'd sing kind of more songs, more songs that talked about devotion. They didn't sing the hymns of the morning. And then what they'd do, they would come to the Word, and they would say, Where is it written? And rather than looking for their favorite verses or looking for proof text for something that they thought was real, that's not what where it's written. And, and then let's dig into it together. In this issue of how we ought to group as a, be a group of people, let's see what the scripture says. In this area of conduct about how we ought to live on our jobs during the week where we have, have, have bosses that don't look favorably on this Sunday night, how ought we to be a witness to our neighbors and friends? Let's look at it together. Where is it written? And they would do it together. And those are the roots that we 've grown way beyond those Swedish roots, but they came to this country and they 've connected with other people where we have this heart for the word and living the word and doing it together and this is what we're, this is why we 're gathering in groups is in order to do it that way. Klein Snodgrass is a professor of New testament at uh north park theological seminary he's finally retiring he's so old i had him and he'd already been there several years when i had him Uh, but klein uh who's a brilliant man and a tender-hearted man says this he says there's many things scripture does not address directly as christians together we need to keep reading understanding and reflecting none of us has enough comprehension by ourselves to take it all in isn't that great Let me read that again. There's many things Scripture doesn't address directly. Those are the things we have to discuss. There's not a direct word about certain areas of behavior. And yet when we come together, we all of us bring bring reading and understanding and pray about it. We, We approach the truth together. None of us has enough comprehension by ourselves to take it all in. And so we're going to read together. Read big, read real, read together. The Community Bible Experience starts with a different kind of Bible. It is the New International Version, but all of the um, chapter and verse markings are, are taken away. And so it just reads a little more like a story. They, they're very helpful for study, but they can kind of get in the way of reading the bigger story. So we're going we're gonna to do that. You can use a regular NIV, but we really want to encourage you to read this one so you can kind of see, be right on the same page literally as your friends uh, that you're reading with together. We'll be reading this uh, book. It's called The Books of the Bible, called Covenant History. It has nothing to do with our denomination. Well, it sort of does, but it's more the covenant God made with his people. It's, uh, um, uh, the books, like I said, doesn't have notes or, 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 or you know, these divisions. Um, so the books of the Bible is designed to be read from start to finish. But community Bible experience is also a different approach to the Bible. It's to be we're going to read the first five books of the Old Testament in eight weeks. Now, some of you asked about audio resources. When we did the New Testament, there's all kinds of online stuff. There's kids' things. There's videos. There's, there's downloaded, downloadable audio stuff. Well, they haven't developed any of that for the um, um, the Old Testament. So I asked Jim Steer, who is our friend who works with Biblica, and I, he, I said, is there any resources? He said, well, actually, our friends in Europe have um, have developed some. So I went to that page, and it said, the people in the UK and Ireland, and those are my ancestors, have, um, sorry, uh, they have developed some resources. There's actually an MP3 available. So uh, I've got a little card out on the, the book table. It looks like this. You kind of have to do a little bit of work, and if you're computer savvy, you'll do it with one hand tied behind your laptop. If you're not quite so, you might need to find somebody, but you really can download the MP3 files for those that want to listen to them. So whether you read or listen, uh, that's available. So instead of reading in bits and pieces, we're going to read the whole books, uh, and we'll experience them in the Pentateuch in its entirety. Our hope is that, again, that you will connect in community, that you'll uh, cho- choose to connect in some kind of group. We just want to kind of go over quickly here. Uh, there's an insert in your bulletin. There's also sign-up sheets out in the narthex, uh, and I'll talk about it here. So, this are, so people that hear better, I'll talk to you. People that have something in your hand and respond to that better, you have that in your hand. And those that like sign-up sheets, there's, I think we've got you all covered that way, okay? We want everybody to interact with how you might be able to do this in a group, Okay. Uh, one of all, one of the first one is in a Naperville Covenant small group. Some of you are already in groups, but if you're interested, please let Pastor Diana or me know, and we will try to help you get connected with a small group. And there's actually a couple that may be forming right now. The other opportunity is uh, our Sunday morning gathering. Uh, this is what we're doing. This is the adult Sunday school class for the fall. There's no other options. We're going to be all in on this. So Sunday morning, 9 a.m., we'll gather in the library. Try to be here by 9 or even a little earlier because an hour is hardly enough time. And we will, uh, we will, will, we will look at this together. There's also the Tuesday morning women's, the Wednesday evening women's studies that you can mark on there. I don't have a slot there about childcare, but if you could put that for the sun, Tuesday morning, if you need it, let us know. And then we're also offering a Wednesday evening study, and we'll see who signs up and how we coordinate that one. So for the eight weeks, then, you'll read an average of about seven pages a day. Let me say this about the um, the MP3 um, the british and the irish are much more aggressive than we they're they're doing all the way to the second kings in 8 weeks so they so they're eating twice as much as we are okay so when you download those files you'll just listen to like one day of those is worth two days of ours does that make sense so when you get in there like they're doing all of genesis in like the first week and then whatever so you it'll it'll make sense when you get there i'm probably just confusing you like crazy but um so we will read seven about it's an average of about 7 to 9 pages a day and um, some are a little bit longer, some a little bit shorter. It's because it takes some of the natural breaks in Scripture instead of ending at some sort of arbitrary point. Uh, the average day's reading takes, well, some of you are fast readers, some of you are slow readers, but I'm going to guess about 20 minutes-ish to complete. Um, in their material, they say, that's less time than it takes to watch a sitcom. Well, whatever, I don't know if you do that. but um, uh, And then there's the audio versions as well. Anyway, let me encourage you to carve out some time. That maybe you do have to give up something for eight weeks. Twenty minutes in that long, um, but let me encourage you to do that, to read that alone, and then come with that awareness to the gathering. And then when we gather in these small groups, you're going to have a, a conversation. It's a, uh, uh, it's not really a Bible study as much as a discussion, or some say a book club kind of format. And these are the five questions. And you, when you buy your book, there's a there's a bookmark in there uh, with reading plan one on one side, uh, and it has these five questions at the bottom. And this is what we'll gather around in each of these studies. What's something that you noticed for the first time? What's something that you noticed for the first time? What questions do you have? What questions that raise for you? And we'll talk about those. Was there anything that bothered you? <laughs> is there anything that bothered you? It's okay to say that about the word. I love every word in the word of God. Actually, some of it's really weird. And it's okay to say, this is weird. This bothers me. But then four and five is when we press towards, past the information to the formation. And we say, what did you learn about loving God? And then finally, that act of, where we turn around to be the church sent, what did you learn about loving others? So as we go on this journey then, gathered together, remember that we're reading big. Um, Our goal isn't necessarily to capture every detail, but to glimpse the picture of redemption together. We're reading real, we're trying to engage with the context as well as let it really touch who we are, and we are trying to do this together. So I encourage you to take advantage of this opportunity to experience this uh, really rich and profound portion of scripture, the, the Pentateuch. And let it not just fill your mind with more knowledge, but also let it work in you. It's an old, old, old book. But it still comes with great life to give us new life as well. And so as we work on being equipped and growing stronger in who we are as people of the Word, and to be more strengthened and certain of who we are as we reach back out as a church sent, our relationship with Christ and what we learn about him and how it leads us to him in the word is so, so very important. So off we go. Let's pray. Lord, we do love your word. We love those words that are so familiar that have given us life. We love the word where it gives us great hope. Where it gives us great encouragement in the times when we are feeling so broken and so frustrated with life. Sometimes your word has the power to, to give us a new perspective, a new direction. And so, Lord, we thank you for those, those single verses and those single thoughts that mean so much. We thank you, Lord, though, that it is also a powerful story to speak into our lives and help us understand this world that we live in. And so, Lord, we want to commit ourselves to you on this journey of eight weeks that we would draw closer to the word. And, Lord, Jesus, is the living word, we draw closer to you as well.